Welcome to Indie Handshake. I am Jesus Cruz, and this is, of course, the Lucha Libre edition of Indie Handshake. I am joined today by one of my good friends, Wild Storm. How are you doing, brother? Doing good, Jesus. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, dude. Thanks for doing this, man. It's been a while since we've seen each other, even before the, the whole COVID thing, but uh, how, are you do- how are you doing? Are you work cool and everything? We actually, Ian and I worked at the same um, company for, for a little while. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I'm just living the uh, the quarantine dream and working from home and eating Cheetos and crushing white claws. So it's good. Uh, it's good. Nice. Yeah. Get white claw wasted. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so uh, the, so I like to start these off with like kind of how we met. Uh, I know we said the TV studio in Newark where Big Time yeah. Rock was doing TV tapings, but it was the first TV taping. Yeah, it might have been the first TV taping, but I think I met you before that because we have a mutual friend named Matt Close. Yeah. Matt Close and I write and and shoot a lot of short movies. So I want to say that I knew you before that, but... We could have, like, used the studio to shoot something beforehand. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think it was an interior thing. I think it was an exterior. I think we're using the satellites in the back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think I met you first through there and then obviously through, through Big Time Wrestling. Yep. Uh, well, tell us, uh, how, did you, how did you even get started? How did you get interested in, in wrestling, first of all? Uh, wrestling, as a little kid, um, I loved uh, Razor Ramon and Ultimate Warrior. Um, I think the, uh, the three biggest childhood traumas I had was when Papa Shango made the Ultimate Warrior vomit, when Optimus Prime died in the movie, and then when the A's traded Jose Canseco to the Rangers. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I fell in love with wrestling as a kid. Um, went to a... Uh, I think we went to a house show and I remember Tugboat being on it. So I think it was like late 80s, early 90s. Um, and then uh, then we, I didn't have cable TV for a long time. So I just kind of forgot about wrestling. But I was over at my cousin's house a little bit later and uh, saw Lucha Libre for the first time. And I was like, what is this? This is like wrestling, but it's like comic book characters come to life. I thought it was super cool. Um, and then I used to check the, uh, the Spanish stations all the time for, uh, for Lucha. But, I, you know, I never would find it back then, back in the was that early 90s i guess yeah um and right yeah yeah exactly exactly um and then i fell back in love with wrestling in 97 i think it was um when uh when sting was working that angle against uh hogan and the nwo i just randomly caught an episode at a friend's house where sting was up in the rafters and i was like whoa this is like the crow this is so cool yeah and just totally fell into wrestling all over again all right, right on, man. So even even before getting involved in wrestling, you already kind of had a wrestling uh, uh, story, or, or not story, but you had an incident because uh, one of your neighbors was a well-known Bay Area wrestling legend, Ray Stevens, right? Yeah, yeah. I grew up around the corner from uh, Teresa Stevens and Ray Stevens, and then their whole family. My mom actually used to babysit their kids, um, and I used to go swimming in their pool all the time as a little kid, and I'd be like, you know, Ray Stevens, he, he used to, he's a pro wrestler. And you know, he wasn't Hulk Hogan. I never saw him on TV, so it didn't quite compute. It didn't register. And, and I just remember, he was just Mr. Stevens. You know, he was the nice old guy that uh, was always wearing a tank top, sitting on his weight bench. And when we'd run around the pool, like, no running, pencil neck. You know, <laughs> that, that was about it. That was our interaction. I knew his kids pretty well. Um, one of his sons had like a, like a bunch of like snakes and lizards and, and cool animals and stuff like that. And, uh, but I guess they had split up back in the 70s. So he would come and visit the kids and hang out and help out around the house a little bit. But he wasn't really living there full time. Um, so I didn't really have too many stories, which is too bad, too, because we had a, uh, a show one year where uh, we had Bobby the Brain come out. And it was really cool because we're all having dinner. And somebody mentioned that I grew up around the corner from Ray Stevens. And Bobby just like stops like, tell me all your Ray Stevens stories right now. So <laughs> apparently he helped break uh, the brain into the business, which I didn't know. So, oh, yeah, I, I wish I had better stories for him. But, you know, it's just kind of nice little, you know. Yeah. One of the neighbors. Nice, nice guy. Yeah, that was cool. So, he had nothing to do with you getting into training or anything like that. It was just, it no, just no, be your no. neighbor. He passed away when I was in elementary school. I think I was like sixth grade or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was. Yeah, 96, I think he passed away. So, yeah. Got it. Yeah, no, I had a similar story. I found out years later that uh, one of my uncles, uh, my grandfather's um, brother, lived next door to Kenji Shibuya, who was also a Bay Area wrestler. And, and one night they got drunk and my uncle was my uncle was a bodybuilder and so they got drunk and they got into a fist fight at their at his house and uh, he ended up throwing Kenji Shaboya through a, a coffee table or something like that <laughs> it was like I never knew that until like later on like when I started getting into wrestling and recording and all that stuff so that was kind of cool that's great uh so uh how did you find out about a school how, where did you start training how did you get involved 
Yeah, so I uh, got into wrestling uh, in junior high when it was quite hot. Um, and then, gosh, a couple years later, uh, there was a local indie show. Um, it was a big time wrestling show. It was at Kennedy High School in Fremont. And at the time, my friends and I had a little backyard bed that we would do. We had a buddy who had the black box. So we watched every pay-per-view on the weekends. And then we started roughhousing in his bedroom after the matches. And I think we broke a lamp or something. So his mom got pissed. It was like, go, if you're going to roughhouse, go in the backyard. So we started goofing off in the backyard. And then we started having characters and we keep doing it. It wasn't anything crazy or anything like that. But, uh, but I started, uh, and in my backyard, I put some posts in the ground and made like fake ropes and stuff. So we had this like really horrible looking makeshift ring thing. <laughs> and we were videotaping them and Matt was actually doing commentary for him. And they were kind of funny. It's like, man, you know, this is really fun. I want to get better production quality. So we go to the show and, oh gosh, who was on the show? It was, I think it was listed as being like Edge and D'Lo Brown. Edge pulled out last minute, but he was replaced with Al Snow. Oh yeah, I have. Uh, I was at that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, so I was, I was there. Brown and Val Venus. Yeah, Val Venus. That's who the other guy was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we're out there, and I think uh, uh, Reckless Youth was there. Super Diablo, Jason Styles. Nope. I think it was Jason versus Super Diablo. If memory yeah, true. it was. Yeah, yeah, and it was a really fun match. Uh, and then I don't know how, but we got a hold. Uh, I'm just looking for somebody with a phone number for the guy who owned the ring. So I wanted to rent ring time. Somehow I got Jason's phone number. Waited a week or two, gave it a call, say, hey, listen, uh, I got your phone number at the show. Uh, my friends and I have a little backyard fed, and we want to, uh, I want to know how much it costs to rent the ring so we can videotape it. He hangs up. He thought it was a prank call. <laughs> and so I called back, he's like, oh, sorry, I think we're disconnected. He's like, are you serious? Yeah. He's like, where are you guys bumping right now? In the backyard. And he's like, on the ground? And he's like, yeah. he's like, are you on drugs? I'm like, no, man. He's like, we're just having fun. He's like, there's no way I'm letting you and your stupid friends get in my ring. But if yeah. you think you have what it takes and you want to do it right and you get the money together, I'll train you how to do it proper. That, that blew my mind. I didn't even think about it at the time. So I got a summer job. I worked my ass off, saved off all my money, begged my parents. And finally, one day, my dad caves and he goes, All right, let's go. So I guess he, my dad said, Well, if you're going to be doing this, you might as well learn how to do it right. Yeah. So we go to the school and it was in the back of a glass warehouse. So these giant four foot by eight foot panes of glass sitting around, like, like, like pieces of plywood and, and broken pieces everywhere. And I hear the noise from outside of them bumping in the ring and immediately walk in there. And I'm also too, I am uh, like the only goth kid in high school. And so yeah, I got like black fingernails and shit. And Did you have uh, the long hair? Did, well, did you have the, the goth long hair? I the... don't know if I had the long hair yet. I, I know I did uh, when I started wrestling, but I'm not sure if I had it yet. But, uh, but so uh, we walk in there, they look at me, they laugh. So I'm 15 years old. I'm, I'm 130 pounds soaking wet. And, uh, and, uh, and so they're like, all right, well, if you really want to do this, sit down, watch, and at our break, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you a little bit and see if you have what it takes. And so I talked to him at the five-minute break, an hour through practice, knew right away, signed the forms, you know, all the, the, the liability waiver things. And, yeah. uh, and that was it. And I just went to practice every week, two days a week, and got a little snot kicked out of me. And they realized I wasn't going to quit. So, then, you know, it, I was able to pay a little bit of, a little bit of the dues and, uh, and Jason really took care of me and trained, trained me back in school. How was, uh, how was the training with Styles? And uh, who, who, else, who else is still working now uh, was training with you at the time? Man, um, it, was, it, was, it was great. It was great. Um, you know, it was one of those things. He was like a, a football coach. I played tons of sports growing up. So it was one of those things that if you messed up, you knew exactly when you messed up. Um, if you're doing something right, he'd also let you know, hey, you did that right. You did a good job there. It's awesome. But he cared. He cared a lot. And he would let you know. He's like, no, you're doing it wrong. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. And it's something that I really appreciated. And, uh, and gosh, he was there when I started. Uh, it was, gosh, I forget their work names. Larry and Pippi were there. Um, oh, the Kennedy Titans. and uh... Yeah, man. Yeah, because they actually they went to one of those high schools where they had a show at, actually. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, had their debut match that day. Was that what it was? Yeah. Okay. Okay. They, they, later, they later and later ended up being Scott Scotty Slater and uh, yeah, Scotty Slater, two fly white guy, two fly white guy. Yeah, man. Oh, they were such good dudes. Yeah, I think uh, Larry ended up becoming an EMT and and, and That's what I heard. from the business. Um, I just lost contact with Pippi. Um, Phoenix Rage was there. Um, who else? Uh, Damian Michaels was there. Um, and then I think uh, Dash Riprock had started training about six months before I joined up. So, yeah. And then uh, over the years, you know, tons of turnover. That's the way it goes with training. 
Uh, lots of people coming and going. Uh, we'd have some veterans who would stop by. We'd have Super Diablo would come by. Cody would come by. Um, uh, uh, Johnny Payne would come by. You know, they would hang out, shoot the shit, stretch the kids and stuff. So it was always fun. It was a good yeah, time. Yeah, he's uh, – they already recorded uh, – my uh, the other host, Paul, already recorded an interview with Johnny Payne last week. So Oh, that's awesome. Good. I'm gonna, I would definitely want to check that out. That yeah. Cool. Uh, Sheik, Sheik was also in your class, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We brought up Sheik. That was really cool. I always had really fun matches with him. We didn't have too many. I think we had like, like four or five or something like that. But our chemistry was always really good. We always had really, really fun matches. I always enjoyed working. Yeah, we're talking about uh, Sheik uh, from uh, Hood Slam, Dark Sheik. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. Really good dude. Really good dude. Yeah. I've actually been to a couple of the Hood, sh- uh, Hood Slam shows with some friends, and I have tons of friends who love going to those shows. Yeah. I've always enjoyed them, too. It's always a good time. Yeah, yeah, I've been there a couple, couple times. Uh, but yeah, you guys had really good chemistry. I remember one of the uh, one of your shows, I think. Favorite, one of my favorite mat- uh, matches was you you guys at Big Time Wrestling for a show that me and Kurt co-promoted. We did like a Lucha American style, and you and uh, you and Sheik had a really good match. Yeah, yeah, super fun. Super yeah. fun. Um, so also, who else came up? And then we, uh, Hop Singh Lee was there. Lamperer was there. Uh, Hop Singh Lee. Um, that was always really fun. I think Hop Singh moved down to LA. I think he moved to New York, and then he moved to LA for work. Um, I think he's married now, doing really well. Um, and then we also had Bailey. Bailey came through the uh, the school, um, so that was really cool. She was there. I think it was about the end of my tenure, um, right before I was I was uh, hitting the trail. So yeah, but yeah. she was awesome. She was really really nice. Had that drive, that passionate energy. She was also really young too when she started. So yeah, and yeah. she got involved early, uh, just helping out uh, with social media, message boards, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, yeah. She, I remember her being at the shows just as yeah. a fan, and then she started training. It was cool. Exactly. So, uh, tell us how 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 and when was your debut, and what what gimmick was it? Yeah, my debut was October of 1999, up in Redding, California. Um, we were scheduled to do a show up there, and the headliner was Greg Valentine. Um, I'd been training for about six months, maybe a little less. And, uh, and so Styles told me, Hey, put a gimmick in your bag just in case, but we're going to have you referee this show. And so I was like, okay, fine. No big deal. Got the ref gimmick. I had my little, uh, my little backyard fed gimmick, which was white trash. It was a, uh, a set of, uh, uh overalls that were cut off at the, uh, the knees and, and the shoulders. And, uh, I think I painted white trash on the back of it. And it was like a letter backwards. It was just super hoopty. Uh, but then uh, I also had a uh, an old El Santo mask that I put a W and T on on the forehead. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It, it, it I'm was gonna I'm gonna cover his ears so he doesn't. Hey, I know. Yeah, but I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Sacrilegious, right there, man. I know. Uh, <laughs> here's the uh, iconic Santo mask with the white trash fucking logo. Oh, dude, it's, it's like painting a mustache on the Mona Lisa, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, you weren't thinking about that at the time. You're like, it's something, you know. No, no. And that was the thing, too, is Kirk was saying in California, State Athletic Commission, you have to be 18 or older to wrestle. I was 15 at the time. It was two months before my 16th birthday. And so it was one of those things that, yeah, I'm definitely not 18. But in case there was somebody there, you can say, no, it wasn't that guy. It was that guy over there. And so I had the hood just in case. And that whole whole gimmick was just in case. I wasn't going to wrestle. I was just going to referee. And uh, about half an hour before the show starts, I've got the referee gimmick on, talking to some of the guys. And uh, Kirk comes back. He's like, God damn it. Hammer missed his flight. Kid, put your shit on. You're up in 20 minutes. Put something (laughs) together. I'm like, oh. So thankfully, Jason's there. He takes great care of me. Puts me together with Damian Michaels. And uh, and he's like, all right, this is what you guys are going to do. Do a little this, do a little that, blah, 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 blah. And he looks at me. He's like, I have a tiger. I the tiger. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, man, yeah. <laughs> Go out there, work the crowd a little bit, scared shitless. And before you know it, it was over, you know? And, and it, it was surreal. Um, it actually wasn't half bad. It, it wasn't half bad. It got a big pop in the crowd. Being out in a, uh, you know, some of the countryside, it, it was definitely uh, <laughs> identifiable to some of the fans. So it worked out really well. And uh, yeah, I had a blast. I had a blast. And, you know, didn't stop since then. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's cool that your first match was with uh, Damon. He's a, he, w- he was a really good good friend of mine, and uh, fortunately he passed. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, dude was great. He was actually one of the first uh, wrestling music videos I ever made was for him. 
Oh, right on, man. Yeah, he was a good dude. Good talent, too. Super fun. And just a nice guy. Nice guy. Yeah, a little side story. Uh, years later, like, actually a couple years ago, uh, someone posted a comment on that video that I have of him. It's up on YouTube. And it was his daughter. It was his daughter that I knew when she was four years old. And now she's, you know, wow. she's a teenager. And so I reached out. I'm like, hey, I have all this footage of, of your stepdad, you know, if you want it. So, yeah, she was... I met up with her, gave her all the footage. She was really happy, you know. That's right. Yeah, it's a, it's really a cool trip, man. Yeah, yeah. I like that. That's really cool. So going back uh, to your uh, – how you came up with the gimmick, how did the wild, name Wild Storm and the design come about? So the design, I was in high school. So I was just doodling and doodling and doodling in my notebooks, trying to figure out what to do um, design-wise. Uh, I knew I didn't want to do the white trash character, um, that much it was just it was kind of a stopgap at the time i didn't think i was going to be wrestling i thought i'd have more time to figure out a gimmick and a character um i knew i was going to have the mask um i love lucha and so i definitely want to do something kind of lucha inspired um but uh yeah i just remember doodling a bunch of notebooks and i went and sent in the designs to uh high spots it was kind of a, a super crazy style look to it uh the first one as far as the cut of the gimmick it was like a uh kind of like a, a, a tank top spandex top um and then the tights and a hood um but then there were black uh or excuse me silver lightning bolts across the chest and down the legs um and that was before i knew everybody in these wears all black um and so i was you know just another indie guy wearing all black and smoker um but the the, the way the name came about uh, was kind of funny it was newark days it was my i think it was like my third match my fourth match um and I finally got the, the, the gimmick and and uh, Ron Hibb is a ring announcer. He comes over and he asks, all right, get, where are you from? How much do you weigh? What's your name? And I'm like, oh, actually, I don't know. And he's like, what? What do you mean you don't know what your name is? And I'm like, I, I haven't figured it out yet. And he's like, who doesn't know what the, is? all right, well, how about this? How about that? How about this? How about that? And I keep shooting down his ideas. I throw a couple at him. He's shooting those down. And then finally he's like, you know what, kid? I, I got shit to do. How about you just, Come to the ring when I say something. You can always change your name later. He ended up saying Wild Storm and it stuck. So, <laughs> just, I was like, all right, yeah, there you go. Good work. That was in 2000, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I do remember um, before your debut as Wild Storm, uh, I covered an event uh, that you ref, the uh, roller derby slash wrestling event in Union City. Yeah, man. And we were shooting promos in the back, you know, with Cody and, and everybody. And I remember uh, Dash Riprock would just come up to the microphone and he kept saying, there's a storm coming or there's a storm brewing. Like he was alluding <laughs> that you were going to start this new gimmick. So what's the plan? There's a storm brewing. <laughs> Fat company, ladies and gentlemen. I don't remember that at all. But he was a good dude. Yeah, actually, I was, uh, that event was a couple miles down the road from where I grew up. And so I invited tons of friends, tons of family. And they were out in the stands and they were super, I thought I was going to wrestle that show. For whatever reason, too many people on the card. Didn't get to wrestle that show, but I got to ref it. And so I was kind of embarrassed because I'm just up there wearing the stripes instead of actually wrestling. <laughs> and then that was a show with uh, Blue Meanie and Jasmine St. Clair. Yeah. And uh, Blue Meanie came out and cut a skating promo on Roland Alexander. So I guess he, he got the school board because Jasmine St. Clair got born. And so they didn't want her on the show and blah, 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 blah. And then we did the spot, and Blue Meanie, Blue Meanie ended up grabbing my dick from behind, like in front of like my parents, my girlfriend's parents, and like all my friends. I'm like, dude, this is not what I thought was gonna happen today. And you know, I have the footage, so we're definitely gonna show that. Oh, brutal! I haven't seen it, so I want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was it was surreal that day when Meanie started, you know, going off on Roland because I'm there with the camera just following, like, what the hell's going on? What's happening? What's going? You know, nobody knew. Yeah. Um, Next thing you know, we're up in the rafters, and sure enough, he's just there, you know, belating rolling. So I'm just like, yeah, it was one of those weird kind of surreal, just kind of shoot moments where I don't think anybody really knew what was going on except Meanie. So. Yeah, yeah, I know Jason. He was uh, scheduled to wrestle Jason. And he was just waiting in the ring, like, all right. <laughs> yeah. And then Jason got him back because by the time Blue Meanie came in, it was Jason and uh, Sal Sincere. Uh, then they did the whole, you know what, we're leaving. So that. Uh, Prolonged the match even longer. There you go. But you know, <laughs> it was a forty-five minute main event match with Blue Meanie. Oh yeah, I think he. I think the only spot he did was a DDT and then took it home or something like that. Pin me and pay me. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
performing in front of fans, what what is your preference or who do you like performing in front of more? Like the American crowd, indie crowd, or like a Lucha Libre crowd? As long as the crowd is hot, it's going to be a good time. Um, but honestly, between the two, if I had to choose, the Lucha crowds were white hot all the time. They reached down to party, have a good time. And they kind of, it, it was almost like, it was almost like the excitement of American fans mixed with the knowledge of the Japanese fans, where they kind of respected what was going on and they kind of knew what they were supposed to do as fans. They weren't just smart marking it and chanting you fucked up or, or things like that. They're just having a great time, great time. Yeah. So they're always super fun. All the Lucha shows were the best. Those yeah, were man. nights off. Those were my favorite matches by far. Being in, in, in tag matches, having a great time, especially too, like, being the wearer and going out there, curtain jerking, and then going in and being able to watch the rest of the show afterwards. Oh, it's fantastic, man. It was the best. It was the best. Yeah. I mean, the, the uh, You Fucked Up chants are definitely an indie thing, but in Mexico, yeah. they do a similar one where they, where they say, por pendejo, por pendejo, because you're an idiot. Or sometimes they won't even say it. They'll just whistle it. Yeah, yeah. Everyone yeah. knows what that means. Like, oh, yeah. man, you're an idiot. And that was a cool thing, too, was, like, realizing that the whistles are booze. Yeah. Like, oh, that's rad. And then also, too, when they chant ultra, that means they want to see it again. And so that was a cool, mm -hmm. cool uh, education. So the first time I got a, a, a Lucha crowd to chant ultra, and then we went up and did the spot again, dude, they popped so big, and you're over for the rest of the night. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It was great. It was great. And it's really cool because you're, I mean, that, that's the whole point of wrestling is you're, you're, you're telling a story and you're taking the crowd on a journey with you. But at the same time, too, like you're listening to how they're reacting. But if the fans know certain things and they, they, they're able to say ultra or something like that, like you're having a conversation. That's great. You know, it, it's like call and reply. It's really, really fun. Yeah, that is very something very unique only to a lucha crowd. In the American indie crowd, you wouldn't necessarily do the spot again. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? You wouldn't say, well, another one, another one, so. Yeah, and then it, but it kind of lends itself to the Lucha style, too, because, you know, like I was t talking about earlier, that these, these comical characters larger than life, the acrobatics of it, too, I mean, obviously, it, it's, there's a suspension of disbelief that's a little higher than American-style wrestling, so you can get away with doing certain things, and it lends itself to, to having more fun in a lot of ways. Yeah. Did you ever get called out by a Lucha fan for not for being white? Like, oh, dude, yes, yes. Or, or how, many, how many times have you been swarmed and they're just talking to you? Uh, you know, <laughs> a mile yeah, yeah, I was like, see, sí, see, sí. <laughs> <laughs> donde esta, que hora es? Yeah, no, I, I think the best tackle was actually the second best tackle I ever got was uh, this guy's Mexican. You can't make a taco with Wonder Bread. <laughs> <laughs> so I was up on the I was working the crowd I was up on the, on the uh, turnbuckle and I look at the guy I was like hey you're not wrong man you're not wrong that was pretty funny so I was laughing that's great it was a good that was that is hilarious <laughs> um so do you still do you follow like Lucha Libre and wrestling still or do you like me myself I kind of have have stopped watching I'll just watch highlights but do you still follow the scene um Lucha and indie, not too much um I went out to Japan a couple of years ago and uh, went to a New Japan show. And that kind of reignited my love for uh, Japanese wrestling. Um, and it was cool too, because Harry Smith was on that show. And so I was like, oh, hey, I've done shows with this guy. He's out here in Japan and I get to watch the show. That's pretty rad. So that was really cool. Um, and then I got to see um, all the elite guys were out there before they started up AEW. Been watching AEW, that's a lot of fun. Uh, that's cool. It kind of reminds me of WCW back in the day where there's a lot, it's just, on, man. They're having a really good time. They're letting the boys kind of control the action, the creativity, um, the direction of everything. Um, but yeah, it's AEW and it's uh, some of the New Japan stuff. They were in town not too long ago. Um, it was like, I don't know, six months ago, a year ago. They were in San Francisco. So I had a buddy who's really into indie wrestling. So every now and then I'll pop. Did you catch the last one they did at the uh, San Jose Civic, a, a place where you wrestled many times for uh, FMLL? Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun wrestling out there. That was always one of my favorite venues. Uh, but I didn't catch the San Jose show. I was at the San Francisco show. Okay. Um, I saw, uh, yeah, I saw them uh, at the Cow Palace. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So it was a lot of fun. So going back to the whole gimmick, you know, about you, you not being Mexican, I remember uh, when Ron Head announced you, and then he announced it from Techaluta, Mexico. And it was, it was, I think, the first time that I paid attention where they were announcing you from. And Techaluta is a town near a town that I grew up in. So I know that. So I was, I was sitting down and I heard him saying Techaluta, and I'm like, nah, he, he just 
made up words and it sounded like it. But then I approached him and I asked Ron, I'm like, hey, where did you get that name, Techaluta? And he goes, oh, Jason gave it to me. And then mm -hmm. I went to yeah. Jason. Yeah, I, exactly. I think Jason has family or family friends out in Techaluta. He was, he was, so that's where it came from. Yeah, he was dating a, a chick from there. That her okay, family there you was go. From there. there you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Actually, actually, I was first billed as being from somewhere in the South Pacific. <laughs> but I was originally, that's, I think, Ron Head. That was also another Ron Head creation. Oh, um, do you have, I'm trying to get Ron Head, man, but I haven't been able to get a hold of him. I bet he's got great stories. He's a good talker, too. Oh, yeah. Um, what has been your most memorable matches, uh, both good and bad, so far? Uh, definitely the Lucha matches. Those were some of my favorite. Um, working those tag matches were just an absolute blast, like I was talking about earlier. Um, and then um, I had, I always had really good chemistry with Dash Ruprock. Um, you know, both being trained by Jason, those were always a lot of fun. Um, I think it's one of the reasons, you know, we spoke similar languages inside the ring. Uh, we, you know, we got to the point where we had so many matches together, we could go out there and we just give a look to each other. And we knew what was coming up next or what we were going to do or something like that. Or, you guys had a really good hardcore match, I remember. Yeah, yeah, we had a couple. We had a good ladder match. We had a good hardcore match. We had a couple of them that were a lot of fun. Lot of, yeah, I had my first ladder match with him, and it turned out pretty well. That's what I meant. That was cool too, because that was one of the matches I came, went to the back and ended up getting the standing ovation from the boys in the back. That was really cool. I was like, "Whoa, this is <laughs> all right." Thanks, man. Yeah. Oh, I remember that being a yeah a really good match. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, and then I actually I had a lot of fun working with uh, Lamper, um, because that was a different kind of match. That was an old school style match. You're really working the crowd. You're really listening to him the entire time. You're interacting with them. Yeah, I'm not doing the things I would normally do to get over. I'm having to communicate with them a little bit more instead of just doing a flashy move or something like that. So that was always a lot of fun. And he also had one of the best getting on. Then he was super over with the crowd. Really fun, really fun. Yeah. And, um, but I think some of the best matches I had, um, technically, they're also some of the most difficult matches I had were with um, Styles and Kazarian. Those were really difficult matches because they really pushed the envelope as far as what I could do physically. And so when they went well, they went really well. It was a lot of fun. Ended up getting injured a couple times, but at the same time, too, it was part of the business. Um, and then the Ballard Brothers were awesome, too. I loved working with the Ballard Brothers. They were always a night off. It's so much fun. They're always, you know, cracking jokes inside the ring, and you're doing all these crazy spots and having a great time. That was always a lot of fun. What about, uh, like, a bad experience in, in a match? And, like, you don't have to name names or anything, but just, like, the match didn't go well at all. Like, it was just a clusterfuck. Um... I mean, there were definitely a couple where you'd be in a town somewhere and there's some rando that gets paired with you. And they're like, oh, yeah, I've been wrestling, blah, 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 blah. You do one spot and they're blown up. And you're just like, dude, come on, man. Like, it, it's pretty rough. I remember there was a show in San Francisco. It was one of the first times I wrestled in San Francisco, and I really wanted to have a good showing there. And uh, I'm working this guy. Great-looking gimmick. No work rate, unfortunately. Um, I think it was one of those things where he blew up after the first spot or two. And so I was angry and I, you know, smacked him around a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but then, you know, you know, got back to it and we, we were able to pull it off decently, I guess. But in my head, for whatever reason, I thought it was garbage. That was absolutely horrible. And uh, Styles was there and he's like, dude, chill out. It wasn't that bad. It was a good time. Like, don't worry about it. The fans had a really good time. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm, I'm heated. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go around the corner. I'm going to go grab a beer real quick. And so we have this sushi restaurant next door. And I'm sitting there drinking a beer with Jason. And, complaining and blah 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 and then this dude reaches over puts an empty beer on the bar and says it's cool if i put this here talking to the bartender I'm like i recognize that voice i look up it's aesop rock and he's one of my favorite mcs of all time and i'm like holy shit you're aesop rock and he's like uh yeah and i was actually wearing an aesop rock shirt at the time <laughs> like a total fucking mark it was so funny and i was like dude big fan man keep it up i was like hold on dude all right and Jason is he styles super into uh, uh, punk, so he's like, "Who the fuck was that guy?" You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, "Oh, he's an MC, like kind of underground, but like, super rad, one of my favorite dudes." Blah 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 blah. And so, like immediately, I'm like, oh, "That was cool. That was cool. Right on." And so we finish our beers, we go back to the show, and uh, Aesop's out front of the show talking to the uh, the, the the ticket taker, mm -hmm. and. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, yo, Ace, you follow me? What's going on? He's like, no, I was here earlier. He's like, wait, you were here earlier? He's like, yeah. I was like, did you see the red guy versus the white guy? He's like, yeah. I was like, oh, I was the red guy. Holy shit. I've been to like 10 years shows. It's about time you came to one of mine. He's like, right on, man. Yeah. And that was really funny. It was really cool. So I was really uh, stoked on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Tell us uh, one of your favorite, or you can say more than one, favorite road stories that you have. Um, we were doing a tour up in Northern California in 
February, uh, 2001, 2002, maybe 2003. Um, and it was a cold winter and it was maybe 25, 30 degrees outside. I remember there was snow outside and we're wrestling in a three-sided rodeo barn with dirt floors and the dressing room was an old short school bus and where they put <laughs> trash bags over the windows and all the boys were in there kind of, you know, changing in there as the dressing room. And then you'd walk out the door and there was this little propane heater that was the only heater in there. And you had to walk through the dirt to get to the ring that was set up in the middle of this rodeo barn. And there's a bunch of fans up in the stands and everything. And I'm freezing. I'm, I'm shivering. I'm shaking. I'm 175 pounds at the time. And I remember I had the, uh, I, I worked three matches that night. I worked the opening match is white trash. I worked a later match as wild storm. And then I worked another wild storm match in a tag match as part of an angle, like a in one show angle uh, at the end of the night. And I'm sitting there freezing, shaking it like a, like a leaf. And I'm standing next to this heater, not realizing the reason nobody else is standing next to this propane heater is because every couple minutes it's going to backfire. And it shot this giant flame out. And it singed all my leg hair and my gimmick all like up my calf and up to my knee. <laughs> I had no idea. My knee pad melted a little bit to my skin. It was oh, it was yeah, yeah, it was bad. And then I had to go out and wrestle three matches in 30 degree weather. So Holy that shit. was a fun like one. That. It was funny. You're like venom, then you were like your shit's burning on top of you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Symbiote. What about a, a favorite story about a shady promoter, like a shady show? We did, uh, I don't know if it's the same tour or a different one, but we did, uh, I think we did like a, a three or four shot with this dude named Mike Welch. And Honky Tonk's got some good stories about him too. So if you get a chance to talk to Honky, he's really funny. Is that Cal- um, in California? Yeah, yeah. He's in Northern California. Um, and we had a van full of the boys and we were all at the hotel. I think we had done a show the night before. And yes, we had done a show the night before. And, uh, and so we're going on to the next spot. And it was just down the road, not too far away. I think it was like a high school gymnasium or something. And yeah, getting the guys together, it's like herding cats. It takes a little while for everybody to get their shit together. And we're all going down in one car. And it's still a couple hours before the show. Because um, so we have plenty of time to get there, get ready, and blah, 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 blah. Well, this promoter comes screaming into the hotel parking lot, going 50, 60 miles an hour, hits the brakes, spins out, and he's out of the car before it stops moving. It's like, it's like fucking 94 Ford Tempo, right? And we're like, what the fuck is going on? And he gets out there, like, where the hell are you guys? You're late, blah, 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 blah. Freaking the fuck out. And we're just like, dude, you need to chill the fuck out. And Styles isn't going to suffer a fool, so he starts yelling at him back. He's like, what the fuck's your problem, man? And blah, 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 blah. He's like, you know. And saying well, we're not late. We've got hours before the show even starts. Like we're totally fine. And the dude fires Styles right there on the spot. Just like, oh, whatever. I don't care. So we drive to the show. And Styles is there with us. And sure as shit, he's like, he's gonna hire me back. This is all about. And so sure as shit, right before the show starts, Styles, he's the fucking main event. He's like, hey, I'm hiring you back. Like go, go, you know, get your shit done. And it was. But then we ended up, uh, Styles got fired again uh, the next day and then rehired again before the show started. Like, it was one of those things. It was just absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) And that was actually, I don't know, I think that may be the same tour um, where uh, we had done a show and there was a guy who owned a bar that was at the show, made friends with some of the boys and invited us all to go to his bar. Well, this was a bar that was, the the hotel was in a U-shape. It was kind of shaped like a horseshoe. Mm-hmm. And in the center was this little uh, little bar. And so that was the hotel we were staying at. Well, this guy owned the bar and went to the show. He's like, come on, drinks on me, no big deal. I'm super stoked. I'm like 16. So I'm like, yeah, I get to go to a bar. It's going to be awesome. I walk up, he's like, how old are you, kid? And I'm like, I'm one of the rest. He's like, nah, dude, not happening. <laughs> so I'm like, fuck, ah, man. So I go back to my hotel room. One of the boys buys me a six-pack of beer. He's like, yeah, sorry, man. You know, we'll catch you next time. And I was like, yeah, fair enough. So I'm like, you should have so, just gotten yeah. there white trash mask. And like, oh, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I'm sitting in the room watching Sports Center, drinking a beer. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, Damien knocking on all the doors. Come on, guys. Come outside. Come outside. Jason's getting into a fight. I'm like, what? What's going on? And so I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. So I'm like getting out there. I'm like, I'm going to have to beat up a bunch of hillbillies. This is going to be gnarly, <laughs> man. <laughs> and so I see him. Everybody's spilling out of the bar to watch this fight. 
and Styles is going there, like old timey, going, "Put up your Duke, sir!" Just <laughs> fucking with this guy so bad. And I'm like, "Oh, this is great." Well, Stoner had gone down the line. It turns out Shane Cody was in his room. He walks out of his room. He's got his cowboy hat, wearing his fucking tidy whities his cowboy boots, a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And he looks at Jason, just fucking with this guy. He goes, "Hey." Are we gonna fucking fight or what? I got shit to do. And everybody's like, whoa. And the guy who was gonna fight Jason's like, oh, I'm good. He just like took off. It was Damn. Yeah. That's money, dude. Yeah. Uh, we interviewed Jason a couple of weeks ago and he, he brought that up as well. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. I didn't know about the old timey. Oh, dude. It was hilarious. <laughs> fucking hilarious. Yeah. Oh man! I was gonna think about Jason. He would just rib on everybody. I mean, he'd be ribbing on the square sometimes, but at the same time too, he made it that much more fun for the boys. Yeah, dude. I remember uh, during training in Hayward when we had the Hayward School and promotion going. Uh, you know, random people would come in because it's a boxing gym, and they they'll come in to ask questions. And this guy mm-hmm. came in. He's an older dude, and he came in, and then Jason's like, "Hey, man, how's it going?" Hey, I'm doing good. Oh, man, I haven't seen you since. And then he wouldn't. Oh, Carbone. He would make up whatever. And then this guy would be like, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I do. I think I remember you now. <laughs> and then, of course, the guy turns around. I was like, who's that? He's like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, he definitely did make uh, training interesting. Yeah. Uh, what, is, what has been one of the craziest fan interactions you've had during a match, after a match? Uh, yeah, so did a tour out on the East Coast. We were out. Um, we did a bunch of New England stuff. We end up at a campground out in Massachusetts. Um, and it had kind of a, uh, it, it was a lot of fun. The dudes out there were a different breed. It was a lot of fun, really funny, had a good time. And you know, they would do, the ribbing was relentless. It was a great time. Um, but we're wrestling out this campsite and the ring was set up down by this lake, but the dressing room was a bathroom that was about a hundred yards away from the rings so you had like a minute walk to get to the ring. And so they had wrapped it in, again, this is like some sort of universal thing. They wrapped it in black trash bags to not allow people in there. And so that's where we got changed was in this campsite bathroom. And then I'm walking down this path once my music hits for my match and getting dirt all over my boots. And I'm just like, man, what am I doing? This is horrible. You know, I'm just kind of bummed out at that moment. And this little eight-year-old girl walks up to me. I'm about halfway to the ring. And she looks at me and she goes, what are you supposed to be? Some sort of faggot power ranger? <laughs> like, Where are your parents? Who says this? You're eight. Go home. Like, oh, my thinking? God. <laughs> that was the best heckle I've ever gotten in my entire career from an eight-year-old girl. And she had the accent. Oh, dude, it was brutal. <laughs> brutal. destroyed. And then I still have to walk another 50 yards down this dirt path and then wrestle for 20 minutes. <laughs> Uh, so now for not so fun uh, question or, or uh, uh, memory of uh, injury that or injuries that you've that you've had in in wrestling. Yeah, injuries are always a bummer, uh, but it's part of the business. Uh, I've had uh, hyperextended both knees, one elbow, um, broken wrist, broken hands, um, chipped eight teeth. Um, but I think the worst. I think uh, aside from there's a. Separated a couple roots from my spine. That's actually one of the reasons why I ended up retiring. But um, I think the concussions will probably be the worst. Um, I had, a, I don't know, probably I don't know, like a dozen concussions, maybe more. Um, but I had a couple of really good times where I got my bell rung. Had one match where I've got it on videotape somewhere too, where uh, I'm out there working a tag match, end up getting dropped on my head, and I'm out. I don't remember anything. Um, and then later, wrestle in the Battle Royal as the main event, end up winning the Battle Royal. Um, I think it's the only Battle Royal I won. Don't remember any of it. And then after the show, um, I guess I was waiting by the curtain for my music to hit. And I was like, Ian, what are you doing? I'm like, you okay? I'm like, I'm waiting for my music to hit. He's like, dude, the show's over. Like, you just won the Battle Royal. I'm like, I don't remember any of this. Was it good? Was it a good show? Did I have a good match? Like, was it good? And then, like, just come over here, calm down, like, relax. And then I would get up and go wait by the curtain. And and they would, and I would ask the same questions over and over. So, so needless to say, I didn't, uh, I didn't drive home myself that night. Yeah, somebody took me home. That's crazy, man. I wonder if it's, uh, I wonder if it's a match in Richmond because uh, I do remember you and Richmond taking a nasty spill. I think it was, I think you got caught on a on a suicide dive. 
I think your boot or something might have got caught because I remember you went like straight down. Yeah, I remember that too. I've got the video of that. Um, that was a Lucha show um, and I was tagging with Golden Lion and did a spot where I think it was Styles and Rip Rocker on the outside. Yeah. Um, Golden Lion gets on all fours by the uh, ropes. I'm going to jump off his back and do a poncho over the top rope. Um, instead of stepping near his shoulders or on his hips, I stepped on the small of his back and it went out. So it was totally my fault. A foot gets hooked on the top rope. I'm going straight down. Luckily, Styles and Rick Rock could carry me. They caught me as best they could. My head bounced off the ground. It wasn't as bad as, as well. you could hear. It. There's the, the video. You can hear it. the video was up in the uh, up in the uh, uh, up in the balcony. Yeah. You can hear this giant thud of my head smashing against the ground. And then somebody next to the camera is like, oh, my God, I think he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> so if it wasn't for Jason and Rip yeah. Rock, I, I definitely did that. Yeah, no, dude. Uh, that's also the same night um, of my favorite Wild Storm promo. Today in the night, I'm going to show you that the we are My partner and I, we've come hundreds and hundreds of miles. We came here to fight. We came here to fight with honor and pride. We're going to go into that ring, winners, and we're going to come out. Two tremendous luchador and wrestlers. Believe me, you'll see them in action in just a moment. Let's go to ringside. <laughs> yeah, as like an adult now and realizing how kind of fucked up that is, <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Ulysses is pretty nice to me, man. Like, <laughs> uh, he was pretty nice. He was pretty I cool. I know. Then you, then you look at his face and he's just like, Fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I froze. I was like a deer in headlights. I didn't know what to do. I don't speak Spanish. I'm like, well, I'm supposed to be Mexican, right? All right. Well, <laughs> let me throw on like my bandoliers and the worst stereotypical accent ever. <laughs> a horrible promo. So, yeah, that was a bad one. But it was a running joke for a long time about being a wiener. So. Yeah. yeah Remember bad. to say your prayers and eat your chili peppers, okay? <laughs> Indeed. Uh -huh. So anything from the business that you found uh, disappointing or, or uh, something uh, that, you know, it's not what you thought it would be? I mean, you know, it was one of those things where uh, Kevin Nash was going to take us on a tour of Asia at one point. That fell through. Ring Mysterio Senior was going to take me down to Mexico. That fell through. But at the same time, too, like you learn pretty early, pretty quick in the business that, you know, don't believe it until you're actually walking through the curtain kind of thing. Um, you, you got a thick skin to it, um, but it wasn't really disappointing. It was just, you know, it's more of a, a fun story to tell now. Um, I think the biggest disappointment um, for me was just going to be in myself. You know, I was in my little bubble. I got to wrestle all over the country and had a blast doing it, but I didn't branch out very often. I didn't go out on my own very often. Um, one of the big dreams was to go wrestle in Japan. Um, never got to do it. Uh, so that was definitely kind of a bummer, but I went out to that New Japan show the first time I was in Tokyo a few years back. And saw Harry Smith on there. I was like, oh, dude, I, I kind of know that guy. I've done shows with him. He's a really nice dude. I had dinner with him, you know? And so he's kind of living that dream. And it's pretty stoked for him. And then seeing Bailey on TV, man, like I shot her a text when she ended up getting the Grand Slam championship or whatever. And so it was one of those things like, you know, there's people out there living the dream and it's really cool. Really, really cool. So, I mean, there isn't really a lot of disappointment. Um, if it is, it's going to be in myself for not pushing myself or not taking advantage of these moments of waiting for an opportunity to come to me instead of creating that opportunity myself. Um, but at the same time, too, I was young, and I have also applied that lesson to other facets of life. So I'm not sitting on my laurels anymore with certain things, and I'm able to pursue things and go after them a little bit more because, you know, I had this in my rearview mirror. I'm like, oh, yeah, I could have done something a little more with that if I actually put in the effort or stepped out of my comfort zone a little bit. Yeah. And it's not really disappointment at all. Um, I'm really thankful for the run that I had because it was a good run. I had a lot, a lot of fun doing it. So yeah. and it's really cool. I think if you were still active uh, nowadays, I think you would have, you would branch out more into like doing different shows. Like say, even, even around here, like an APW, you did do a, a tournament for APW. I believe I did think you did that uh, golden gate invitational. I think you, I, we did a couple like cross promotional shows. Um, that was, you know, the wrestling business is super clicky. And yeah. it's always a bummer that there wasn't a better relationship between the two promotions. Um, I always wanted to, to, to like, learn a little bit from, like, Mike Modest and stuff like that because he always had a really good reputation as a good worker. Yeah. Uh, but, I, you know, I think I only met the guy once, maybe twice. Um, but, you know, I was 18 years old. I'm like, oh, that's, you know, that's the, the, the other guys. Um, exactly, yeah. Yeah. And uh, but I worked a bunch of matches like Jardy Franz and 
and, and a bunch of AT, APW guys. And always had a good time, um, but there weren't a lot of shows that you know. Yeah, and the shows that were um, did they did the shows that did feature uh, workers from every promotion that ne not necessarily worked together were like the Oakland Wrestling Association, like Icebox. Yeah, man. You know, he would mix APW guys with big time. I have a match with Jardy Franz, Dana Lee versus Shane Cody and Lambert. Like, you never thought you'd see yeah. two, you know, compete. Yeah, it's, like, it, it's you know, on a much smaller scale. It's like having, you know, like Stone Cold and The Rock versus, like, you know, I don't know, like Sting and Hulk Hogan or something, you know, WCW, WWF days. You know, just different factions, you know, going up there, just different properties, promotions. Yeah, no, it was cool. I got to uh, I got to team uh, Mike Modest and Jason Styles uh, for a couple of my shows. No way! How was that? This was in Oakland. It was amazing. Uh, they fought. Uh, they wrestled uh, Kimo and uh, Shooter Mike Silva. Dude, that sounds hella fun. I bet yeah. those are solid. I would love to see those. Yeah, and I'll, I'll post it eventually. It was cool to see two main two of the main guys. You know, trainer. Yeah. Two of the big like Bay Area guys who are super influential in the whole scene. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, you know, just kind of just wrap up, um, what was this decision? Um, I know you're talking about injury, but, uh, so you retired, you, uh, were inducted in the big time wrestling hall of fame. When was that? Yeah. Uh, that was 2016, I believe. Okay. And you decided to, you physically remove your mask. Um, yeah, it was another situation. Who would you like to have? Uh, like a mask versus hair, mask versus mask match. It could be anybody, just, you know, you could. No, oh, Styles, man. Yeah, he, he's the one who, who trained me, gave my career. I had tons of great matches with him, um, you know, and, and it would be out of respect, you know, just for everything that he's given me and, and shared with me. But he's just like a big brother, man. He took really, really good care of me and uh, taught me, you know, pretty much everything I know. Yeah. Do you, uh... I lost my mask to somebody, it would definitely be him. Um, but it was injuries that forced me out. Um, uh gosh this is years prior to uh to uh, uh to the hall of fame thing but uh gosh how old was i i think it was it was almost 10 years ago actually so probably like around 2010 um was when i retired so i think i had about a, a 10 11 years but i had a couple ribs separate from my spine during a match it was actually uh with styles it's like the jason styles um and uh but he, it was just a regular body slam. They'd taken a thousand of them. Um, and for whatever reason, my body just gave out. Uh, and I had a couple of ribs separated from the spine. I started wheezing uncontrollably, can't breathe. Um, I tell him, you know, give me a powder. I'm not sure what's going on. I'm out there. I was like, ee, ee. And it sounded like Fatty McGee. And uh, I was going to you okay? He was like, I think I broke a rib or something. Don't worry about it. Let's just finish the matchup. So he wrestled for 10 or 15 more minutes. And then went to the emergency room afterwards. And they're like, yeah, there's no breaks or anything like that, but something looks a little off. I think it's been dislocated. And so I had to go to the chiropractor and get the ribs put back in place with this thing. This it was like a it's like percussion spring device. And uh, she said, you know, it's gonna last for about six months. We'll put them back in a place. It's like a three to four week rehab process. Um, but we'll put them back in a place. That's gonna last for about six months with you doing what you do. And then they're going to pop back out. And it's going to last for about four months. Then it's going to last for about three months. It's going to last for about a month. And then it's just going to pop out all of a And it hurt really bad. And it was really hard to breathe, too. Um, and so it was one of those things where I was like, oh, I'm fine. It, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Got to put it back into place. It lasted for about nine months. And then they pop back out. And then I got to put back in place. It lasted for about six months. They pop back out. It was three months. Um, and I was actually working for Virgin America at the time. And it was a really good gig. And I didn't want to give it up. And I was using so much medical need time that it was starting to get a little dicey. I was like, you know what, man? It's it's. I had a WWE evaluation, and they're like, hey, you know, we like your ability, we don't like your size, kind of thing. And the writing was kind of on the wall. Um, and at the same time, too, like I was just getting a little older and waking up and taking 20 minutes to get out of bed because it feels like I've been in a car wreck the night before. Um, and it was one of those things where I was like, you know what? I got to get a gig going. And so that's what I did. I chose career over wrestling, hung up the boots, and. Uh, I think we did like an injury angle or something with uh, Rip Rock. I think he gave me a, a Canadian destroyer onto a uh, pile of chairs, and I was out. And that was it. And I was done. Uh, yeah, it was it was because of the uh, the ribs in the back. Cool, man. So no 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 plans on coming back in any type of uh, way into pro wrestling. No, 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 I'm done. I'm done. When I when I went did that Japan trip uh, a couple years back, um, definitely relit the spark a little bit. Um, and so I got to go down. 
um, and uh, trained at the school a little bit. He just says kind of like a little as a guest and uh, got to roll around and chat with some of the kids that they had over there. And then uh, Hemo ended up breaking his leg, so I got to help out there. For, uh, and then uh, and I think it was around the same time the um, the uh, Hall of Fame stuff came up. So Kirk White was really, really generous and really nice and, and, and surprised me by inviting me in to be part of the Big Time Wrestling Hall of Fame. So that was a really big honor and really humbling experience. So that was really cool. So I kind of got to go back and, and, and uh, there was a little ceremony during the show where I got a really cool statue and they had like a little, little chat thing. And it was really nice, really, really cool. Right on, man. Well, yeah, you definitely deserve it, man. I mean, you, you were always a pleasure to watch, uh, pleasure to see in, uh, in the ring. So, uh, yeah, man, anything, anybody you want to shout out? Anything you want to before we wrap this up? Oh, man, thanks to you. Um, the, uh, uh, thanks for, for thinking of me and bringing me in on this. It's really cool. Definitely. Uh, 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 of course, thank you. War cry. What's that? So that's the famous Jason Styles war cry. Everybody. Knows that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I even incorporated into my stand-up comedy. I do that shit now. And then people do it in the crowd. <laughs> that's awesome. When's your next stand-up show? Uh, when all this <laughs> passes by. Yeah, it makes sense. Even, 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 even then I wasn't really um, too uh, uh, consistent with it, but I'm sorry. I interrupted you. You were, you were going to say something else. Oh, no worries. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely wanted to thank you. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, but, you know, big thanks to Kirk White, to uh, the Emperor, to Jason Style. You know, he was a big, big, big part of my career. Um, and, you know, my big brother. Um, and then uh, my dad. My pops was super cool. He, he was the one who kind of held my hand and made sure I was safe and let me go out on these tours. And my mom, mom hated it. <laughs> but, she, you know, she tolerated it. And uh, But dad was super cool. He was good with the boys and everything. He would go on tours with us every now and then. And uh, just to make sure that he was taking care of him. Okay. Uh, That's good. Yeah. yeah. So you were always the youngest, right? Around? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was always, I was the baby. I was always the baby. And so it was cool because the guys would always take really good care. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, every now and then somebody would get a wild hair and, and get a couple of good stiff shots in on there. But then, you know, I, 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 I was surrounded by a lot of really good guys. You're like, don't take that shit, kid. Go give him a receipt. You know? So yeah. that's one of those things. When did it? Really you, were, you were brought up right both in, in, in uh, your personal life and in wrestling. So, Got lucky. Definitely got lucky. Awesome, brother. Well, thank, thanks for joining. Thanks for uh, doing this interview. I've been wanting to do this for a while, so this, this is kind of cool that we got to do this. Super fun, man. I watched a couple of the other ones. They're a lot of fun. I'm excited to see what you guys have on deck. Awesome. A lot of fun. So you got a fan out of me, man. Thank you. Thank you. And thank everybody for watching In The Handshake, Lucha Libre Edition. I'm Jesus Cruz. Have a good one.